In this episode, we're chatting with the Cabernet family who have travelled to over 50 countries on six continents over nine years and in doing so learnt how to be at home with themselves, at home with their family and at home in the world. Welcome to Raising Wildlings, a podcast about parenting, alternative education and stepping into the wilderness, however that looks, with your family. Each week, we'll be interviewing experts that truly inspire us to answer your parenting and education questions. We'll also be sharing stories from some incredible families that took the leap and are taking the road less travelled. We're your hosts, Vicky and Nikki from Wildlings Forest School. Pop in your headphones, settle in and join us on this next adventure. Before we start, we'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast is recorded, the Kabi Kabi and Gubby Gubby people. We honour their song lines and storylines and pay our respects to the elders past, present and emerging. We'd also like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which you are listening to this episode today. Hello and welcome to the Raising Wildlings podcast. I'm your host, Nikki Farrell. Today we're chatting with George and Bobby Capanay and their twins, Lolika and Oreke, who are world schoolers and entrepreneurs about how their family came to travel to over 50 countries and how world schooling inspired Reke to write and publish her debut novel, Dawn of the Guardian at 14 years of age, how it inspired Lalika to start his own online international travel concierge business, Destinator Travel at 16 years, and how the four of them have now come together to create their family retreat business at home in the world. But before we start, we wanted to just give you a little reminder that we have just dropped our mini intro to homeschooling course on our website at wildlingsforestschool.com. This course is for those of you who are thinking about homeschooling but are yet to take the leap. Maybe you're worried about how to do all the paperwork legally, about reporting and registration. Maybe you're feeling anxious about dealing with your current school. Maybe you've got a child with additional needs and you're worried about how to meet those needs at home. Maybe you've got a partner who isn't keen at all on homeschooling. Maybe you've got friends and family who are concerned about your child falling behind. Or perhaps you're worried about juggling finances while one or both of you stay at home or worried about how your child will socialise. If any of these concerns are resonating with you, then I'd strongly suggest jumping over to our website to find out more or to purchase the course to help put your mind at ease. So today we'd like to welcome to the show the Capanay. So I'm going to introduce you all separately and I'm doing this. I can see them on my screen. Obviously you guys can't, but we've got Bobby. You say hi. Hi. <laughs> we've got George. Hello, everyone. We've got Lalika and we've got Reika. <laughs> so thank you so much. This is the first time we've ever had four guests on the same show. And, again, you can't see what's happening here, but we've had some tech difficulties. So we've got four people on two audio and they're all snuggled in they're also in New South Wales in lockdown right now how are you all going Bobby do you want to tell us what's happening because some people don't know what's happening in New South Wales at the moment uh yes it's been actually our twin children they turned um 20 on 19th of June and we just happened just managed to celebrate it out at a going out by, um to dinner together all of us as a family and then three days later it was lockdown time. So, and we last year at this time we were in Melbourne actually um, staying at my mum. So we actually had the whole lockdown in Melbourne last year, and now this time we're here with George's dad 
but um, it's not getting us down. We're, <laughs> we're pretty excited about uh, all the things we're able to um, do as a family together with, with our, uh, you know, the launch of this new business at home in the world and um, just getting out as well. Like the, we love the, the weather's beautiful and getting out as much as we can um, in nature, as in walking in the parks and down to the beach and that area. So it's, it's, it's been lovely, yeah. Uh, we are so, so spoiled, aren't we, here in Australia? And even when we get locked down, I think we got 10Ks in our last lockdown and I, I had waterfalls, I had a mountain, I couldn't quite reach the beach. But I looked around and went, oh, gosh, we're, we're doing okay for the for considering what we're doing. So let's get stuck into it. Um, George, do you want to tell us a little bit about, I guess, your family's history, you know, what you've been doing the last, well, let's say 20 years, and then we'll move on into what you're doing now. Uh, that's Yeah, I'd love to give a, a quick overview for all the listeners. Uh, I suppose uh, it was really for us, it started, well, our children were born 20 years ago, but we were really set and rooted in the uh, traditional sedentary type of lifestyle where uh, the parents go to work, you know, and then, um, uh, well, at the time I, I had my own business. So it was it was really good. And we had that first taste of being together as a family. But a couple of, uh, before their second birthday, I, I went back to working for another company, being away from the family, working long, long hours. Uh, then when they started uh, even preschool, we thought, oh, we've got to take our children to preschool. And, and uh, pretty soon we really started to feel those real stressful pressures of uh, all of the day-to-day um, uh, routines, uh, activities, all of the the scheduled things that everybody thought or we as parents at the time thought were the things that, you know, were providing the best uh, and and most optimal sort of things for our, us as a family. And that rapidly started to um, unravel when we were realising I was working 80-hour weeks um, uh, as well as, you know, Ugh. yeah, it was uh, with children. Uh, we, we were having less and less time and then we finally came to the point where Bobby – uh, was in the middle of winter, driving in traffic, thinking, "Why are we doing this? Why are, why am I in traffic? Why am, mm. why are we stressing ourselves out? Why are we taking our children to another place for other people to raise them?" And and that really led us to that very first realization of, "Oh, hold on, there might be another way to do this." And Bobby did all of the research and was looking into homeschooling. We were reading different books at different times about the responsibility of, you know, raising your own children. And it became a natural sort of step for us where um, uh, right at that that moment or that nexus, there was a nexus point uh, where I was made redundant in my work and we looked at it uh, from a perspective of our, our children and and Bobby and and I, and we all sat down and said, "Hey, how about what would you feel if we were all just to be together? Like uh, you, you didn't go to school, um, we did sort of learning together, and uh, we would sort of somehow uh, create something together." And uh, this was sort of pretty exciting for the for the children as well. And that was 13 years ago now, where we decided, okay, we're going to take a a big turn to the in the other direction and start sort of this homeschooling thing. And uh, that naturally led on. Well, sort of homeschooling was uh, lasted about 
two days of lessons and all of those sorts of lesson plans and this and that. <laughs> and then so it all common, fell, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And it all fell apart. And we just found our natural rhythm uh, in basically uh, in basically wanting to um, be together. Uh, we were already doing long hikes, having long talks, um, and as you just said, you know, coastlines and all of these sorts of things that were just sort of close to us and and that just led, led us to a different approach to learning, a different approach to seeing the world. And uh, just to sort of sum it up, uh, roughly about nine years ago we decided, okay, we're going to take this on the road uh, with a project that we wanted to bring to the world that would uh, connect people with their needs and, and how people could connect with each other. And that was sort of the start of uh, our little adventure which took us to, you know, over the course of nine years, 50 different countries on six continents. That's incredible. Just the airports with young children. Kudos, parents. Kudos, Young adults. <laughs> so what do, you, what do you guys remember of it, Lalika? What do you remember of, of the travelling and of the countries? Do you have standout moments or good and bad and ugly because that's life, that's, you know, life isn't all about chasing happiness, it's about coping with, you know, the shit that hits <laughs> when it hits the fan. What do you remember about it? Oh, goodness me. Um, yeah, we started at a really young age because we um, we first started traveling around Australia together as a family when we were about nine years old, uh, Lolika and I. And one of the really big standout moments that I remember is just what we, because we lived in Melbourne and we drove up to Sydney to visit grandparents. And afterwards, instead of turning home or down homewards on the highway, our parents veered north and we kept driving for about 6,000 kilometers. So um, it was a very sort of spontaneous nature to our lives, even when we were very young. And um, I remember that sort of permeating almost everything we did, especially when we went international. And then we were traveling throughout the States. Um, and over in Europe, I remember you know, we walked the Camino de Santiago when we were 14, which was a bit of a spontaneous uh, decision as a way to spend our summer. Um, which is 500 kilometers of walking uh, or uh, 800 miles. Uh, and it's pretty much, yeah, 25, 30 kilometers of walking a day for about, uh, well, for us, it took 30, 32 days. Uh, so I remember that pretty clearly. And also as being quite a big catalyst for sort of my own journey in uh, writing. And I remember that was a really sort of big turning point when I had just finished writing the first draft of my um sort of debut fantasy adventure fiction novel, Dawn of the Guardian, and was uh, really contemplating what it might mean to actually get that published. And um, and so the, the Camino was a really big catalyst for me and sort of going back and um, re-editing it and really making it into a story that, you know, as a child, I would have loved to have been able to read and be immersed in. So for me, I think travel has always been such a like power, a powerful sort of um, mode of sort of in, of, of creativity and inspiration for me as a writer, and um, and really is you know something that has really brought us together as a family and strengthened our bond and connection in a way that um, I'm really really grateful for. Oh, that's amazing. So again. Just astounding to no, it's not astounding because I I've worked with teenagers before and I know how creative teenagers are. But where how do you go about going? I I am going to write a novel. B I'm going to publish it and and that's I'm going to be a writer. What what do you think helped you a know that they they were your skills and strengths and B know that you could do it? 
Wow. Yeah. I think, I mean, my earliest memories are literally sitting before um, our old fireplace in Melbourne reading. So I think I definitely had um, sort of the the connection of my love of reading really translated into that love of writing when I was younger. And um, my parents were always really big supporters of that. Um, I've once we became homeschooled, basically lived in the library. Um, and uh, I think that really sort of, uh, my, or at least my passion for creative writing really grew when we started traveling because firstly, I was uh, writing and, and telling all these stories to friends and family back home in Australia. I was, uh, I found a sort of invigorated sense of, uh, oh, I've got, I've got to write to everyone and let them know what, what adventures we've been having. So um, I ended up sending all these sort of long essays back home in, in terms of emails and um, that that really ended up uh, sort of tra- like growing and, and becoming what is today my travel blog where I'm sort of the chronicler of our, our, of our adventures at dreamtimetraveler.com. Um, and I think that's kind of, yeah, that's, that's always sort of stuck with me is how sort of how present and how, um, yeah, how present really writing allowed me to be um, in, in terms of our travels. And I think uh, when we, you know, for me, I've, I mean, I always loved the genres of fantasy and historical fiction and then being able to travel to places that I had only read about in books was such a um, sort of a mind-blowing moment for me as a child and I think that just sort of you know ended up um, being manifested in terms of you know once I had my own sort of life-changing experience of visiting a really good friend of ours in Spain uh, who was also an author and sort of meeting what would end up being the main characters of my book um, I, I just was completely absorbed and uh, you know just had to start writing this story and it was really only nine months later and 400 pages later that I realized that wow maybe this could be a book because <laughs> it was just this pure passion <laughs> Of, of writing and I went to my parents afterwards and I was like oh look at what I did and they were like oh my goodness you need to publish this <laughs> it was a it was kind of a oh wait moment for me as well because I yeah it was suddenly this whole world of, of possibilities opened and I really do have my parents um support and belief in me to sort of back that because um you know their belief in me sort of translated into a belief of, of, of myself and the and I was never sort of faced with any sort of um or the idea that what I wanted to do wasn't possible. Mm, amazing. And um, how did you end up on the TED Talk thing? <laughs> uh, <laughs> even that was as spontaneous as almost everything seems to be in our travelling life. Um, <laughs> we had just sort of arrived in Budapest in Hungary and had been invited by one of our friends uh, to come along to this um, spontaneous sort of Toastmasters night that she was talking at uh, just just to sort of listen to her speak and uh, we thought it would be a brilliant opportunity to uh, just you know come and meet new people as we were sort of new in the community in Budapest at the time and um, Lolika and I remember we're thinking oh my gosh you know this what is this going to be boring is this going to be like yeah. something that we would enjoy <laughs> at the time we were only um, we just turned we were just 12 uh, but we went along and, and we uh, yeah we listened to some of the most interesting talks uh, that I had sort of been exposed to at the time then. And uh, at the same place happened to be the organisers of the TEDx Youth Budapest. And uh, of course, the way <laughs> our family ends up being, especially my dad, we were uh, we were immediately drawn into conversation. And um, you know they sort of uh, were were really interested in our story as a family. And they were like, you know, this this is really short notice, but we're actually like 
it, it's that time of year. We're holding the TEDx Youth Budapest in uh, less than a week and we'd love it if someone <laughs> from your family could come on stage and have a little bit of a... Uh, a chat to the audience and my parents were like oh yeah Rekha will do it just sort of, you know, <laughs> just sort of volunteered me as tribute over there <laughs> and uh but yeah and so the first sort of TEDx talk I did was when I was 12 and then um I was uh, invited back when I was 16 to a sort of it, that was really my first true TEDx talk because um, I was sort of returning to talk about the power of stories and um, where my journey had kind of taken me since being that little 12-year-old on the stage, kind of having a bit of an uh, intro. So, yeah. It was a beautiful talk. I, lo- I loved the, the, whole, the whole arc and the journey of your storytelling in there. It was a really oh. beautiful watch. <laughs> The sense that I get from the two of you is that you've been raised to be problem solvers. Would would you agree with that, Lalika? Yeah, I mean, I feel like from um, the beginning, I guess, when we started traveling and um, I guess from our parents as well, we were given that mindset that, you know, that, you know, nothing that, um, you know, everything that we possibly wanted to do was possible and we could go out there, we could go do it. And um, find the solution you know if we wanted to go something they'd you know help us understand the steps um to you know starting on that journey but it was always like there was no oh no we can't do that or you know Mm -hmm. it was always really such an open conversation about anything and you know I think already when we started traveling even before that our parents were kind of treating us like proper full adults as well and we were able to make decisions Mm -hmm. that really um made a big impact in how we were able to, you know, take these, you know, um, decisions and, pro- um, you know, take on these problems and everything and just, you know, go ahead and do it. So Amazing. So so tell us about your journey and into your business. How did you go from travelling around the world to starting your own travel concierge? It's just, again, I know and I trust teenagers but I just, I'd really want our audience to see the real life proof of this. Yeah, I mean, um, I guess from the beginning, you know, um, seeing, you know, um, just all the logistics and everything involved with travel, you know, all the flights and the, um, you know, uh, places that we stayed and everything, it was always really exciting um, for me, I guess, just to see how everything was, um, you know, organized and um, yeah, my mom was the one who was the designated uh, planner in the beginning and everything like that. But um, yeah, after um, we came to a uh, a place in Brazil and we were in a very like um, precarious situation where we had to decide between taking a flight or um, um, or taking a bus and. Uh, the bus was, um, we'd been busing it through the whole way through South America and we were, um, we wanted to get to Rio, um, but we, we, you know, we couldn't find, um, a, the bus was a very super expensive option. And I think I just like wanted to, I used that as a way to find a, like it was that problem solving kind of mentality where I was like, how can I, you know, find a different way around this that's, you know, better, you know. And, um, you know, I kind of, in that sense, found I found a flight that was, like, way cheaper and way better and we were able to um, get to um, where we wanted to get to much easier. And I think I it was just starting from there, you know. It was 
always really, um, you know, I was, we were meeting other people along our travels and I was helping them plan their, their journeys as well. And they were like, you know what, you know, you could turn this into, you know, a business or something. And I was like, you know what, that's not actually a (laughs) bad idea. Um, so, um, um, yeah, I guess with the help of a family and I, I started my own business, um, at 16 destinated travel, um, which, um, helped, uh, people all around the world, you know, plan, uh, their travels with, uh, much more cost effective and efficient ways that I had discovered along our travels. It's so good. I love that you both just played to your strengths and, and, and your interests as well. Like that's my nightmare in travel. I just want to turn up and have a great time. So a concierge business to me is a nightmare. But everybody, if if that's not your strength, like to be able to go to a business like that and say, please, please handle this for me and and know that you are so well versed in it. You know, like you said, you're so well traveled that it's just incredible. So what are some of your standout moments, Lalika? Um, I think when we started, when we started traveling through the US, um, I just remember having this, like, I just remember learning so much, like already, um, from the US, we'd go to these, um, national parks in the US and we, and just some beautiful places in the US and national parks. And me and Rico would do these, like, um, junior ranger programs, which would be uh, a way for the yes. national park for you to learn more about the national park and everything. And we absolutely loved it. And we, you get these little badges after completing the program and <laughs> we were wrapping up all the badges and <laughs> it was really, um, so good. yeah, it's just these, these kinds of moments where, you know, we were, you know, just naturally learning from, you know, the places around us. Um, from the people that we met, you know, it was, it was the real world, you know, and it was, and it was something that was, yeah, just a a really amazing experience for us. And um, personally, another, um, I think place that stood out for me was when we traveled to Jordan and it was just really just unlike anything I had experienced before. And it was such um, just the people that we met there. And I, I think that like everyone was so genuine and, just also um, when we went to Wadi Rum, which is this beautiful desert area, and we were able to just go out there and um, see the view. We got into this truck, just we parked and we got into this truck and they drove us into the desert and you just looked around you and it just felt like another world. And it was just almost like a euphoric experience. Like it was it was amazing. and um, Yeah, just moments like that that really stood out for me. Yeah, it's amazing to think that you've been through so many countries and and do you still find when you're travelling you still get those moments of awe and joy and wonder or or are you a little bit, um, (laughs) not jaded, but, you know, do you feel like you've seen a lot of things and it's hard to be, to find the joy and awe or do you find it's the opposite? I think, oh, goodness, I mean, for me, I I feel like if anything, it's it's (laughs) all the travel that we've done has just taught us how much you're still able to be surprised by anything that that happens uh, along your travels. And I think that's really the case in terms of of how I see it when when we're traveling, that there's always so much that could happen at any given moment. And being open to that that opportunity of of things always makes it really, really exciting for me still. That's a that's a really great point. Do you think what kind of characteristics do you think world schooling has given you as adults? Like what do you think the benefits to your to your character have been? Oh, I mean, I don't want to steal it from you, but I, I guess I'll I'll say that 
for me, I, I really, really believe that world schooling and the way we grew up um, really gifted Lolika and I with the ability to be like flexible and adaptable in this world. Um, you know, two skills that I really think, um, you know, are, are really, really underrated sometimes in terms of how we can, you know, face challenges and how, yeah. you know, we can always uh, sort of, yeah, exactly, like adapt and, and grow from the situations that are presented to us. Um, I think we were put in a lot of situations where the only sort of, uh, the only thing we could do was uh, be flexible and change and, and go with the flow and find our footing and, uh, you know, on the, on the move. And I think that's something that um, has really, really sort of benefited us in terms of our own careers as well. And, and now even how we're sort of um, working together as a family and, and being able to find compromise and, um, you know, find, find our own and find and listen to, you know, what everyone's, everyone's true emotions and feelings in the moment and be able to sort of accommodate, you know, everyone and really listen to everyone in that sense. I'm hearing emotional intelligence. I'm <laughs> hearing those foundations that every parent wants to help their child find is, is you know, resilience and grit and self-confidence and adaptability. So what would, what kind of advice would you have, have being raised the way that you have and being such well-rounded adults now what would you what advice would you give parents on how to to kind of instill some of those characters well, I know we can't instill them in you know but how can we help guide our children to um, find these characteristics any advice yeah I think for me it would be um you know it seems such like maybe a bit of a simple thing to say, but listen to your kids. I think, you know, they're so much smarter and so much more understanding than you think. And, you know, talk to them, include them in those tough conversations. I think a lot of parents want to shield their kids um, from the realities of the world because they want to protect them or they want to keep them safe. And um, truthfully, I think we could really benefit from uh, more children's perspectives uh, in sort of those tough situations of what our world is facing. And, you know, I think a lot of adults would be very surprised by how kids handle these situations and how they bring solutions to things um so yeah i would say be a mentor to your kids but let them be a mentor to you too here mm, here oh quote of the day i love it <laughs> <laughs> and what about you lalika what would yours be kids would really benefit from parents to give the kids a little bit more freedom in that aspect because i really think i mean i guess what rico said in a way because they it can really be amazing things can happen from giving, um, you know, your kids, your children the opportunity to be able to, you know, make these decisions and be included in these choices because I think you'd be definitely surprised in, you know, how they would react and how they would help. <laughs> more, more freedom. And, and so it, it, to me it seems like, and it, like you said, I think before I hear it, it seems really obvious, yeah. but it's, I can tell you as a parent, it can be really hard to do, but it is, yeah. it's just listening and validating, isn't yeah. it? And, and treating you with just simple, basic respect mm. of you're a human, you yeah. have needs, you have desires, you have great thoughts and opinions and ideas and just giving everybody a go to, to listen to them, exactly. I think. Yeah, it's, again, it seems so simple, but in a quite authoritarian, you know, schooling system and parenting system, it can, it's, it can be quite novel, that idea. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think we also, I think that's something I'm also grateful for is we actually did go to sort of traditional school up until year two, which I know isn't very long, but it was definitely a, sort of, a I definitely experienced what you're talking about there um, in terms of the, yeah, just the, the lack of complete sort of openness and willingness they have to um, 
I don't know, to, to really nurture the, the natural creativity of, of children. <laughs> I think that was something that really affected me, especially uh, in grade two. I found it very, very difficult to uh, sort of be able to express my, my creativity as a, as a child. And I found that my confidence took quite, <laughs> quite a big hit. <laughs> um, so that's, yeah, I think it's something that, you know, we underestimate in terms of how it can really negatively affect our kids. Yeah, I, I remember the same thing as a child coming up with an idea about, I think it was recycling at my school, I can't remember, but, you know, it got shut down so quickly because we, where I grew up in the middle of Una, whoop, whoop, nowhere, there was no real recycling centre. Yeah. Um, but to me, that wasn't a problem. That was a, it was a problem to be solved. It was, mm. you know, the problem was that it started at our school and we could manage it at our school and from there we could find something, but it just got oh, well, you know, this is how we've always done it and there's nothing we can do about oh, it. goodness me. Drop it. <laughs> but it's, that's such a common theme in, yeah. oh, absolutely. in those systems, I think, because teachers are time poor and, yeah, yeah that's, and we don't validate the mm. ideas, I think. Absolutely. So. And kids are so willing to, that's exactly, I think you said it, like it was a problem to be solved for you. I don't think kids see it as, you know, this block or something they can't fix. Um, they see it as what they can, what they can fix and what they can achieve. Yeah. And I'd much rather do that than sit down and have to do my maths oh, homework. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe how, how much better would the world be if, if we allowed kids more of that freedom to sort of, you know? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Wouldn't it? I'm, I would be so curious to see that experiment of, hey, children, hey, people, what would you like? What problems would you like to solve? Okay. Off you go exactly. and learn through that. Oh, the changes we would see in the world. Oh. Yeah. It really, it really would, I think. So good. I just I love hearing these stories. My kids are seven and nine, two boys at the moment, and I can already see that entrepreneurial, just that problem-solving mindset of, oh, there's a problem, let's fix it. And I just love that but it's also exactly like the two of you is I can see them in such different streams, but their strengths, their strengths are so different but so beautiful, and I just love that. How, Bobby and George, have you – nursed and nurtured that um, and and without squashing any of the dreams that come up as well because I think that's one thing you know you always hear it the, the artist where the parents say well that won't make any money or the musician I want to be a musician oh that won't make any money how do how do you nurture that uh, that was in my that was my initial strong feeling of when we started homeschooling that I we really didn't want to limit them in terms of time or space in in what they wanted to I guess you know their curiosity and what they wanted to uh, learn and and that those that's where it sort of initiated and just to be able to give them the freedom you know to explore and to not to judge them to not to shame them into you know why are you doing that or why why aren't you doing that or you know in, in these sorts of areas I, I felt really strongly that involving them in all of our decisions and I guess seeing them, hearing them, you know, listening to them, being present for them, you know, th th those sorts of things, not dismissing them, not as assuming that we know exactly what they need. Um, so it, it sort of revolved around that, that um, those sorts of things where um, all of us, I guess, <laughs> contributed in some way to make that possible for them, you know, as, as we went. With the, your family, I, I know that there's people in New South Wales going, 
how the hell <laughs> are the four of you getting along so well? And I think, you know, I don't know, I'm sure you would get the same. Oh, homeschool, I could never do that. I'd kill my kids. And it's one of those questions I find really sad because I think one of the most beautiful things I've found with unschooling my own kids is that we have a beautiful relationship. Do you want to talk and speak to how how you've created such a beautiful family cohesion? Yeah, I, look, it, it sort of it, it builds exactly on the basis of what Bobby just said is that we have these wonderful beings that come into our life and, uh, of course, society is, has had a lot of effort and effect in conditioning our thoughts on roles and how roles should be played out. And much of that has let many, many parents fall into the trap of, you know, having to play out those roles. And that role always encompasses that, oh, I know what's right and I know what's best. Mm-hmm. And we all know as as adults, and, and that's one of the greatest shock that most children, you know, come to the realisation of at one time or the other that, oh, my goodness, my parents don't know at all, you know, they, you know, and, and that's <laughs> yeah. what we, I think that's what we from a very, very, yeah, from a very young age, that's the thing that we didn't um, uh, play into. Uh, they were, and and we were really talking about raising free thinkers, free minds, um, free souls who were mm. uh, empowered in their own way. And and what we tried as the adults was to to be present and to be there, and not to interrupt, and and to to try and really take direction also. And that's the essence. Of that's the seed, for the want of a better word, of creating that type of uh, feeling where you really do, it feels good to be together. It feels really, really good to want to spend time with each other. It feels good to listen to each other's stories, um, to be personally evolve, involved in all of those aspects of each other's lives. And then, of course, um, you know, you could be, I mean, and we have been on the road locked up in a room, you know, smaller than, you know, where, where we, the four of us actually slept on, um, you know, uh, two single, well, there were two single beds, you know, and we're all crunched in, you know, um, on very narrow <laughs> single beds, um, uh, you know, bed bug ridden beds in South America, and 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 it was and there was and it was no problem. You know, it wasn't a problem. Um, in fact, it was an experience, and that's mm. really the essence of of what we're trying to convey as well uh, to other families. That this could be looked at uh, in one perspective of, oh my goodness, when's this ever going to end? Or it could also be viewed from the perspective of wow, isn't this the greatest opportunity we've had as a family to really experience something that is going to transform us, that is going to give us a different perspective on the world? So that's that's core to our, our vision for families and, and that is, you know, raising free thinking, fully empowered and key stakeholders in the family. And that's when your children um, become one of the greatest um, assets in the family and together when you combine that from the perspective uh, in a manner in which everybody can feel valued and have input and be validated by that input, you get these wonderful um, courses of direction 
really great ideas that can bubble to the surface and really, really fantastic ways in which you can allow them to uh, develop into fruition. Not to say that we don't have our moments of, of course, you know, arguments or <laughs> tantrums or <laughs> those sorts of things. You Absolutely. Know, still, that's that's but, natural. Uh, but, it, but, yeah, it is, it is all about, you know, our relationship dynamics and learning to handle our, our emotions and feelings and, yeah. Mm. And, and to not cut people off, it's to work, work through those hard times, not to just, you know, send, you, send the adults off to the nether and never see them again. <laughs> now, <laughs> your relationship must be okay because the four of you are now in business together. Who would like to tell me about that? <laughs> All right. <laughs> It'll be, I suppose I'll start. <laughs> or here, Claude. You can all chip in. <laughs> Yeah, maybe you start off and I can, we can all chip in. Okay, okay. Well, that sort of naturally, that was, again, a part of the journey that we've been taking and, and its essence lies back in, as Rekha was talking about, um, when we first uh, started working on a process by which we could uh, not only get her book uh, edited and, and uh, published, you know, they're, they're all, that's all the first aspect of really um, the publishing business. The biggest aspect is getting it out there, promoting it and marketing it. And that actually saw us uh, take a near 18-month journey where we, you know, presented to and uh, mainly Reco basically um, met with and uh, uh, in, I suppose tried to inspire, you know, many different schools, organisations, home learning groups where we took the book on tour and uh, that basically had a process by which all of us actually found how we could really, what were our strengths, where we could contribute and and how we divided up all of the aspects of that. And that was a little uh, process. We even named it. Um, we called it our labour of love process. And uh, basically, <laughs> yeah, we, we, we utilised um, uh, a, a little bit of a different, because I was actually working at the time consulting to an organisation that was trying to find people work based on the meaningful aspects that they attributed to their own um, lives instead of, um, you know, trying to find a job based on your CV. You know, it was more about how to find meaningful work. And uh, that was also very much based on a a more forward-thinking way of organisational structure uh, based on a philosophy by a guy called Frederick Rallou, Reinventing Organisations. And we um, took aspects of all of the things that we were doing to apply that in our own family and find ways in which we could actually explore, get to the heart of who had strengths in what areas, who had aspirations to do things in certain areas where you may not have actually had the strengths to do them today but were uh, was leaning towards those um, creative aspects and those meaningful aspects and how and then we actually took all of those found um, what we were good at what we weren't what we were interested in what we would like to develop in and then looked at all of our different tasks that we had uh, in bringing that book to fruition and based on that in a quorum sort of a function um, we assigned and allotted all of our tasks and and all of the groups and uh, created um, 
departmental uh, aspects of that, which were compartmentalised, where everybody who was part of that aspect had the power to make key decisions and move forward. And we coordinated all of that through daily little get-togethers and then we'd split up and do our work and come together at the end of the day. And that was really the essence of what we've created today as well in a, in a business that, um, that we're, we're taking forward now, um, which is based on the aspects of family retreats and how families can combine their greatest strengths, their greatest inspirations, and draw these together in a way in which will work for them to be at home with themselves, to be at home with their family and at home in the world. And thus we named it, you know, at home in the world, family, family retreats. <laughs> so. It's so important. It's that old um, Mother Teresa saying, isn't it? You know, if you want to change the world, go home and love your family. It's it, the essence is, is, is that if we do want to make change, we need to start, start, start at home. So I'm really curious about what your departments are. So who's doing what, Bobby? What do you do in the business? It's sort of, um, you know, there's in each part there's a sort of like a lead person and then the there's also somebody else who's like a, a yeah second a second a lead second I suppose lead. like an assistant to the lead yeah. is this in case you have sick days or no <laughs> 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 uh, we sort of as to to work in together I guess get the different perspectives so we're all working in with the content creation with the a lot of for me is like the administrative the research the aspects of getting things ordered and organizational yeah organizational things what about you george where are you at well to add just to bobby there i I know she's also uh, she's also a creative lead in uh, a lot of the really creative ideas that uh, and directions that we take uh, are basically sort of inspired um, by her, uh, and and yes, she's very very strong in the organizing organizational aspects of things because um, I tend to be um, you know the big picture guy you know and and um, uh, also. <laughs> Uh, I, I really have had to learn over the years how to, you know, dot my I's and cross my T's and, and do all of the, you know, do all of the, the aspects. <laughs> me. And Bobby's really fantastic, yeah, yeah, in, in, in those aspects of balancing um, those aspects of myself. So, yeah, from, from my perspective, it's, it's very much part of the, um, uh, the sales, the, the marketing, those aspects, and creative Again, that's why we've got things divided up where there is there is four of us, but we have a lot of the times about six or seven different departments where we mix and match in these four different ways where there is the lead and the assistant. And we all play the assistant role and we all play the lead role. And we all try as much as we possibly can to balance those aspects out. And that's where I also uh, collaborate with Reko on uh, a lot of the creative uh, content uh, aspect, and I'm her, um, I'm her protege in in those aspects because she's <laughs> <laughs> she's the lead in in much of the uh, the content creation, and uh, I've I've been learning um, how to improve my content creation through her. <laughs> <laughs> Great. And what about you, Lalika? What are you up to? Um, for me, I think uh, I'm really just as well health and it helping with the um i guess on the business side and stuff and um also um just really just helping with um 
yeah, also with the creative sorts of things, with um, where things go and writing the certain content and, yeah, just... Um, Take support. Yeah, um, tech support and, yeah, pretty much the yeah, social need with, one of those. Um, social aspect too with connecting with people <laughs> as well. So, yeah. Very strong on the technological aspect, Lolika is in, in his research, uh, especially, uh, you know, taking all of the experience that we've had from our travels uh, whenever I bring, whenever we bring some ideas to the table, he's, um, you know, quite uh, fastidious in in researching that to see if that is actually the best possible option that's there for us. And uh, sometimes he works himself, you know, into that. Uh, he's so fastidious about, it, he's so particular about it. You know, it has to be just right. And and uh, yeah, so we're really grateful for that aspect of it. Another good balance for you, George. <laughs> yes, definitely. And and what about you, Lalika? Yeah. <laughs> so, and what about you, Reka? Uh, I'm very yeah. I'm pretty involved in the uh, the content creation side, the um, uh, the marketing of the, of things. I've had a bit of experience uh, over the last sort of to nine ten years with you know writing blogs and then how sort of my uh, my travel blog sort of grew in in its sort of own sort of business that was that was what I was running for a little while there and so being able to bring all that experience to this business has been really really brilliant um, and yeah working with dad on the content creation and then the delivery of all these sort of um, aspects of, of working directly with families and um, that's actually another thing Lolico works really well with as well sort of dad mum and I are working really you know it's a very integrated learning program but while we're working perhaps with the adults a bit more lolly because uh such a patient and and um he loves to work with the kids so um another pretty good balance there we've, we've managed to sort of figure out but um but yeah it's it's really very much a family effort and um and that's yeah that's sort of what makes it really fun and interesting to sort <laughs> of um work with each other yeah so it's it's lockdown now, and your business is retreats. What what's happening? You poor things. How how are you going with it? I suppose how we're dealing with uh, with COVID and the lockdown situation is very interesting. It's a great question, and I know many families are really struggling with this, especially families that have small businesses. So, you know, we we really feel um, for, for families in in that situation. Um, I, I think for us, we even what we were. Uh, doing because the format of this was uh, where it started was that we were actually running international retreats, um, immersive 14-day retreats where we would take families away and we had run retreats in Bali and in Transylvania and uh, it was a really wonderful experience. But we wanted to be able to offer this, um, especially with so many of these lockdowns, we didn't know how they were going. We, we had, as Bobby said before, we had been through the whole Melbourne lockdown last year and then we escaped here to Sydney to uh, to take care of my dad, uh, who's uh, in his uh, um, uh, later years, and uh, and then we've been caught up in lockdown here as well. So there's no escaping it, you know, from from many perspectives. So what we wanted to do was make it a shorter format that families could attend in person here in Sydney. And we were well down the track to um, to actually launching and promoting those, and boom, uh, lockdown hit us. So the dynamic nature of what we have experienced was such that we actually had to um, pivot. 
And what we are in the process of doing now, and we're fairly a good way down the track, is how we could actually offer a retreat, so a fully-fledged retreat uh, from an online perspective that we're actually going to be offering um, to families very, very shortly uh, in, and, and that they can participate through both from online components and offline components, but more specifically as well um, where we have online interaction as well as them going away and, and doing some other things, but also uh, creating a space where uh, it is a community-based environment and just like our retreats where we took families away for 14 days, the families can actually get to know each other through this community interactional basis that we've created as well in the in the structure of uh, where they will come to uh, to. to have all this experience and um and that's going to be launching soon and uh yeah that's that's the sort of thing that's that we're really working on day in day out now um uh, making the best that we can out of this lockdown time yeah good on you we're um, we were doing the same we did the podcast last lockdown and last started last year and now we're doing online mm-hmm. courses in the last lockdown <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> got to keep busy, not busy, got to keep creating. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, I, that's so important. I've really felt a close connection with what you said there, you know, that, that aspect of, of continuing to create. And, and if, if, if anything, that's, that's one thing that we really want to help families understand just how much power they have to, um, to create in their own right and, and how they can actually make the best use of every moment, whether in lockdown or, or outside of lockdown, and, and, and know that the power is with them not, and not, not, not investing all their, their thoughts and energies on what's going to happen, uh, external forces and all of those aspects, you know, that there is real um, power with, with that awareness that you um, uh, expressed. Mm, oh, I 100% agree. There's um, there's something very powerful about taking action for yourself and not being a victim of your circumstance. So I think if if we leave this podcast with nothing but that, then well done us. <laughs> yeah. I'd love to get us started on <laughs> some rapid fire questions. So first question, what is your favourite book or what are you currently reading if it's too hard to choose? Because I know it's like picking favourite children. Um, well, the, the um, few of us might say this one because currently, well, it's been Reiko's favourite adventure stories from when she was younger, Del Toro Quest. So what we've actually done, <laughs> been, but we have been re- she's been rereading this to us as a family, and we've been really enjoying the the stories. Uh, but also. Um, well, you can say about the oh, other one. Um, yeah, actually, I, I, I wanted just to add to that because it's really great. We have like a normally around about 6.30, you know, we, we sort of sit down on the couch and, and we get the next um, epic instalment of Del Toro Quest from Emily Rodder. And what, a, what, a, what an <laughs> amazing, good. amazing book, uh, I mean, series of books. Um, uh, but, sh- sh- I mean, just the impact of, you know, that, her writing has had on so many different people is also, you know, when I think about that, I, I think about, uh, you know, that, that arc of the, of the hero's journey and, and, uh, and that's sort of what I sort of also relate to, to the, um, you know, the families that we're, we're talking to today, you know, that they're also, you know, we're all out there on this great adventure, you know, so that's really fun, a fun aspect. Um, but we're also, uh, 
together as a family, we just started into, I mean, this is one we've been talking about for so long, but we we were sort of, it, it became quite relevant, you know, especially with this lockdown stuff. And it's like Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning. And uh, that really explores uh, some of the still haven't read key aspects, yeah, of 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 um, freedom, you know, and and uh, you know, and, and uh, that's that sort of aspect that you know that that question of you know that forces behind you can take uh, you know can try to take away your freedom but really you you can control whatever happens in your life you know and and that freedom is only within yourself so if you decide not to give it nobody can take your freedom away no matter how many lockdowns how many you know uh, man- maniacal sort <laughs> of attempts people attempt to to put on you and it's it's a wonderful uh and moving experience uh that that the author himself uh, went through in the most horrific of experiences and being able to take those experiences um as as a really inspirational learning lesson even though some of the most key members of his family um passed away in the in the whole process and to use that as a way in which to sort of empower people it's sort of like an inspiration for us and and what we're doing as well amazing what about you lolica I'll be honest, like I'm not such a big reader, but I'll say one book that really, um, that really, uh, that really changed uh, or kind of made an impact for me is when we were traveling and we all decided to read Animal Farm together by George Orwell. And um, I just, yeah, that kind of, um, I don't know, it was just a really good book for all of us to read. So, yeah. <laughs> Mm, it's it's powerful isn't it it's really powerful that one um I'm an English teacher ex-English teacher by trade and it doesn't matter how old that book gets it's still particularly right now very yeah. relevant <laughs> yeah. I was just gonna yeah. say there's a, a theme here <laughs> sorry we're not all this reading these types of books but yeah it's sort of I don't know how it's all come together <laughs> Yeah. Apples don't fall far from trees, I believe. <laughs> and what about you, Mika? Yeah, well, I mean, I've loved being able to share, you know, such an impactful book series um, that inspired me as a child with my parents now. So I've, I've loved reading the Del Toro Quest series to them. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's always, they've, they've always stuck with me as, as such a, I mean, they really were one of the, the biggest inspirations for me in, in my writing when I was a younger um, writer and yeah I guess another one of uh, another book like that that's always stuck with me and always um, proved such a sort of beacon of inspiration in my own writing journey is um, The Alchemist by Paolo Coelho which obviously is such a um, well-known and, and renowned book the um, in, in the whole world but yeah I think though that that book and um yeah, another one that's always I, I've actually found myself rereading now just um, for enjoyment uh, in this lockdown has been Little Women by Louisa May Alcott. So <laughs> I've uh, I've loved rereading those sorts of books that have always been quite near and dear to my heart um, as a younger reader. You've got some absolute classics there, team. I can tell you, gosh, I too remember reading The Alchemist. Um, as a young adult and just and a, a reading and writing enthusiast and it blowing my mind going, ah, this is what writing can look like. And Emily Rota was uh, one of the inspirations for me to become an English teacher too. So it's, this is really yeah. nice. <laughs> All right, number two, this should be interesting. 
from from the books that you've just listed, this next question is: um, if you could list one or do change one thing about the education system, what would it be? Mm, bringing, I think, more of the listening of the, I, th- I guess the 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 vitality and the essence that each child brings, you know, and how how much they actually come to teach us. You know, we, we think that by age, if we go by age, that we've learned so much, we know so much, that we are so much wiser. But often I feel that these younger, uh, our children come in much wiser and, you know, with, with the things that we need to learn from them. So just being more open to to um, listening to them and, yeah, learning from them. Yeah, it's such as, I was going to say simple thing, but it's really not simple, is it, for adults to listen to children. So I'd 100% agree that that one small change would make a huge difference. Yeah. George, what's yours? Yeah, that, that one's made a very big change and impact in our lives. And if I was looking at from, you know, if I was looking at it from an institutionalised perspective, uh, from, you know, an education system, so to speak, is, um, uh, you know, and especially being, you know, the old sort of unschoolers, world schoolers and and those sorts of aspects, I think uh, it'd be very hard to change a system from within, but I, I really do feel uh, for the, the actual flavour of, of um, uh, the, the essence of what you guys are about, and that is connection with nature. I, I think that would have such a vital impact and difference uh, in the way in which children saw the world if they were actually a part of the natural world uh, and not, uh, you know, locked up in concrete blocks, you know, where where there is no connection to the essence of what I believe to be who we are. You know, I mean, we, a lot of people, you know, say we're, you know, we're on this earth or whatever, but I, I actually feel like we might even be a part of this earth or even an expression of this earth. Uh, and uh, if that's the case, then, you know, a closer connection with that I think could only bring a stronger and more coherent aspect to uh, what is being learnt. Mm. Look, you're preaching to the choir here, so I 100% agree. <laughs> <laughs> what about- Sorry, if, if that was... <laughs> If that was to, um, you know, like, uh, yeah, it's it's sort of, I, 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 I just feel like what you guys are doing is so, so important in, in, um, in changing the evolutionary aspect of, of humanity, especially here in Australia. So um, I'm really grateful for your work. Thank you. Oh, thank you. It's, um, I, I'm still in my stinky campfire clothes from Bush Kindy today, actually, and I sat there and went, oh. Oh, if every child could school like this, I just think it's so calm and it's so beautiful and the relationships people are forming down there, I think. Yeah. It's, it's, but we're outside the system, so how do we then bring it inside the system? But mm. that's, what we, that's what we're trying to do. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it definitely directly relates to how you're saying with um, just that the ease of learning, like, you know, just looking around and realising how, you know, how fun and easy learning could be. Like why not let, you know, your kids learn in a way that does feel good and mm. feels like living to them? Why, why shouldn't those things feel good and easy? You know, like who decided that the only sort of valid way to learn and gain experience uh, was through struggle and strife and that it had to be painful and sort of like unfulfilling, like, um, you know, and that that was some bad 
badge of honor that we could then carry forward. Like, you know, yeah, challenges are vital in our lives to grow and evolve, but you know, we don't have to go into those challenges with the, the preconception that, um, you know, it's going to have to hurt to work. Like it, it can be exciting. It can be, um, yeah, it, it could be, you know, that, that whole idea of like kids who have such a sort of um, childlike sense of excitement and in it, in sort of inner knowing that everything's just going to like work out amazing and it's going to be fun. And, um, you know, when did we let people start telling us that, that sort of way of looking at the world was unrealistic or unsustainable. Like, you know, you don't see kids getting burnt out from having lighthearted mindsets about things. Um, they, you know, we um, most often, you know, kids end up having such an easygoing and unhindered perspective on things because they don't really have expectations on, on or, or if they do have expectations, they're the only, the only ones they have are the ones that have been given to them by, by adults and parents and things like that. And, you know, without those imposed expectations, there's just no disappointment. It's just fun and the love of learning. So I think that for me, it would be that the, the, just the ease with which learning can be achieved. Mm. Their children are just little Buddhists, aren't they? They're so present and there's no expectation. They just they just are. There's such such a joy to work with. <laughs> Amazing. And what about you, Lalika? Yeah, I mean, I think for me it was that just giving a bit more freedom to kids in the traditional kind of school system, you know, because, you know, at, at already at such a young age we're given such a, like, strict um, and, you know, um, outlook on if you don't do this or if you don't get all of this done, then, you know, you're not equivalent. You're not equivalent to if you're not, you know, you're not as good enough as these kids or you're not, you know, because you're not at this level or you're not at that level, all this stress already on like young kids. And I think that's just, it shouldn't be like that, you know, because I know personally when I, um, when we got taken out of school, the, just the freedom of being able to really decide and be able to go and um, learn the things that you are really passionate about. It just really gave me back that love of learning again, which I think is just like slowly kind of killed out of you in the traditional traditional school system. So um, I think just, yeah, having that, um, you know, I don't know, teachers or something, having that kind of personal just understanding of like not forcing all of this onto you know kids of such young age because it's really like in a way traumatizing to the love of learning Mm, couldn't have said it better myself (laughs) seriously it's four very good things if we could all just you know scrap the school system and start again I think we'd do all right between the five of us And last question for you all, uh, actually two more questions. So one, I usually ask you where you go to reset, but you're a bit restricted now. So let me change that question to probably a very hard question for you. Where was your favourite place or country while you were travelling over that vast amount of time? I, I try not to favourite ties different countries <laughs> because each country has so so much beauty, so much um, treasure in terms of the mm. people, the culture, the, the the learning, everything. So for me, um, experiencing that place has always come came down to walking in the place, hiking in nature, hiking. So everywhere we went, that was the main things that we seeked out to hike. So hiking nature, mm. mountains, wherever that may be, what it uh, 
wherever we were at the time, even if it's the, the town the, in the city, just walking around, meeting people, just um, embracing that whole um, energy and, and the, the, the place itself. So, yeah, wherever we were. Mm, such a great way to get to know a place, isn't it? What about you, George? Um, for me, it, it sort of reflects on what Bobby said. Uh, everywhere we went was just just so beautiful, and and to be able to experience that in the moment was was really, in many ways, transformational. But for for the sake of answering this question, I'd say there were some pivotal moments that stick out in my mind that changed or um, really influenced the direction of our journey as a family. And one of the one of the first ones on that list would be, I suppose, when we uh, really had this experience on the sacred um, APY Anangupijanyarayankanjara lands in South Australia, uh, where we were guests, and uh, we had this really um, pivotal connection moment with the way the people welcomed us there, and one person in particular um, who shared their story with us. That was one of a, a real key pivotal moment. I think uh, another aspect was the very first time we walked the Camino de Santiago, uh, which was, you know, normally it's a religious pilgrimage, but there was just so much that um, uh, space for contemplation while you're walking 30, 32, 36 kilometres a day and together and those experiences. So that was that was absolutely amazing. Of course, yeah, living in certain countries was was really interesting but uh also just some of the natural wonders too like um i love scotland um there were some really interesting aspects there and uh yeah yeah th- it was those aspects that that changed or transformed um some of the the ways in which we saw the world mm, they do places do change you and i, I think that's a really important part of travel what about you lalika I think mine would have to be Vietnam. Um, I mean, of course, what everyone said before is that every country has its um, beautiful um, areas and spots, but um, I'd I'd have to say Vietnam just because there was a a specific place that we stayed in in Vietnam to um, Hoi An, and we lived out on this beautiful, like, garden island. Vegetable uh, village. Kind of vegetable village island, that kind of thing. And um, it was just beautiful, like, waking up every morning and there were, you know, just, um, you know, people in the gardens, you know, with fresh fruit and vegetables. And um, we were only a few kilometres away from the beach and just me and Dad would run down to the beach, we'd go for a run and then for a swim. Um, The people were really genuine and just, you know, uh, honest and nice and the cuisine was just otherworldly too. So (laughs) I think it was just like one of those, um, yeah, just really amazing experiences. Oh, that sounds amazing. Sign me up. (laughs) What about you, Rika? For me, I've always... I've always been um, inspired by, well, we've all always been inspired by nature, but I think especially for me, I've always found a sort of a very deep connection that always ends up sort of um, translating into my work and my writing. And um, especially for me, sort of these uh, exceptionally wild sort of landscapes. uh, And for me, that would always be uh, somewhere like sort of the highlands of Scotland, um, the north of of England, places like that. I've, I've always 
felt quite a, a deep connection to. I always love history. It was my favorite sort of subject to learn when we were traveling when I was younger. And um, so for that reason as well, I always felt such a um, affinity with sort of all the um, just the ability to be able to sort of like go for a drive and run into five different castles and four forts and three old monasteries and, you know, all these amazing sort of bits of living history. And um, <laughs> so I, I love really all of Europe for that. But, um, yeah, especially places like Scotland and England and uh, Ireland, yeah. What a variety you've all just given me there. That's amazing. And what was it, 50, 52 countries across your time? Is yeah. that right? Did yeah. I just make yeah, that no, up? Yeah. <laughs> that's it. No, that's it. That's you got right. it spot on. <laughs> <laughs> just the airports. Are you, are you happy to never see an airport queue again in your life or are you actually even missing an airport queue? Oh, I we miss don't mind now. airports. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we, yeah. <laughs> we all love flying, actually. Even the nitty-gritty parts, uh, you know, you can digest those uh, for the um, for the actual experience of, you know, going. That, that's that whole excitement of you're getting on a plane and you're going somewhere, you know. And, you know, so, yeah, it's uh, – I think there'll always be a spot for us. Yeah, there's many a night where we were sort of camped out at an airport. We've, we've slept in many. <laughs> even, even those sort of difficult – those, yeah, even those difficult moments that are sort of um, that we always seem to experience when traveling, um, when you know you obviously don't have the opportunity to do it, even they become quite nostalgic and rose-colored in, in the glasses that you look back on them with. They do, don't they? It, yeah, even the most terrifying or the most sick, you look back and go, oh, "Wasn't that a time?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So true. All right, and. To finish off, where can we find out more about your work? We've got at least three different businesses. Do you all want to give me one website or one Facebook or one social media platform at least? <laughs> yeah, um, the, probably the the best one now with our retreats in mind is at homeintheworld.com.au. Uh, that one will, will definitely get you to um, what we're uh, developing and what we're doing now. But uh, there's also... Uh, dreamtimetraveler.com, which is the Eco's blog. I'll let you go on, Eco, if you want to share any of the yep. others. Um, yeah, you can find us on all the social, on Instagram, Facebook, under those handles as well, at Home in the World Retreats uh, and at Dreamtime Traveler. Uh, if anyone is interested in um, uh, the, my book or anything like that, you can find that at uh, dawnoftheguardian.com or uh, at my first name and my last name, Rico Kapunai, and the same with Lolico. Uh, you can find all his socials at um, Destinated Travel or Lolico.Kapunai. So, yeah. Amazing. We'll make sure we put all of those in the show notes for people to access and we'll obviously share those too when we publish this podcast. Thank you so, so much. I've been so excited to have you on. Lindsay, um, who's our admin, fantastic admin lady, um, has organised all of this, but I've been watching from the sidelines and just love, A, that we get to talk to beautiful grown unschoolers, world schoolers, B, to see such a beautiful family unit and that you're all just in this entrepreneurial journey together as well. So thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for being such great inspiration. And, um, yeah, well, hopefully we can get you on again another day. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank Thanks you so much for, all for having of you. Us. Thanks for what you're doing. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you again.
absolutely super inspiring family the Cabernet family is. I just love how well they seem to know themselves and each other and I love that they seem to have such a respectful mutual relationship. They have to, they must have (laughs) for the fact that they're in business together when their children are young adults. It's just hats off to them all for working so hard on their relationships. It's just so beautiful to see. I also love that each of them have been encouraged to follow their own strengths and their own dreams and to take action on them. I have to say that chatting with the Cabernets has given me completely itchy feet and I really hope one day to join them on one of their family retreats either online or face-to-face one day. If you'd like a little inspiration to get your family outside in the wild to rewild like the Cabernets then just head to wildlingsfireschool.com forward slash free dash downloadables to get either your free nature scavenger hunt, your free what to pack in your car for wild schooling printable or your free activities for adventures ideas. And until then, we hope to see you outdoors adventuring somewhere. Stay wild. Mm